The Apparel Report is everything you need to know about the world of fashion design, from ideas to promotion, prototyping to production. Expect to discover fresh insights, new findings, and to meet the makers. It's all the latest news from the most exciting studios, makers, and agents in South Africa. Michael, welcome to the Apparel Report. Hi, Derek. Good to be here. I'm very excited about this conversation. Kerry Bell from Cape Town Fashion Council has wanted me to speak to you for a while, and I'm really interested to see what you have to bring to the table. But before we start, um, what does the African apparel industry mean to you? So, yeah, it's jumping on a complex question. <laughs> um, I mean, Africa, Africa as a continent, um, it, 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 it's, always a, it's always, always tough to identify. I, I like reminding people that Africa is the same population size as India, but it's geographically nine times larger. And in terms of sovereign states, has uh, 50 odd sovereign states compared to India just being a singular sovereign state. So it's, it's very peculiar politics anyway. And, and our apparel, African apparel industry over the century um, has been very rich, very dynamic, very very purposeful, very market-focused, market-oriented towards the needs of the continent itself. Um, and, and so there's a lot of expertise, there's a lot of creative expertise, there's a lot of technical expertise, um, but obviously it's, it's an industry which in the last 50 or so years has, has battled tremendously to understand its, its role on a more global platform, especially in dealing with competition from other parties um, a few hundred years ago, uh, competition from from the European continent, and then that um, finally fell away as the European continent tended to, tended to focus more on service economies rather than productive manufacturing. Um, and over recent times, um, there are more challenges from the East, obviously, in terms of the productive capacity of the East, um, making it very difficult for the productive capacity of Africa as a as an apparel-focused continent, interested continent, to keep up with, with what the East has to offer. So, yeah, things have to change. But um, Africa has a rich history, um, and it does not have to step back. It, it needs to step up now. So then, if we need to step up, how are you working to make that happen? So, there are a number of initiatives happening. And unfortunately, when you, I, you, you know, some, often people ask me, you know, whose fault is it that we are where we are? And I get that. You know, like that means the whole Truth and Reconciliation Commission of its own. And sometimes that, that's actually a more time-consuming and a more negative um, uh, process than simply saying, okay, so where are we and, and what is it that we, we need to be doing in order to, to leverage off what is, is still a, an enormous richness, uh, as I say, both in terms of creative and technical expertise um, on, on the content. Agreed. We, um, when we worked with the, with the, um, when, when we put together with the whole value chain, the clothing retail federation that I, that I represent, uh, we did, we, we came to an agreement with the Department of Trade and Industry as it then was, um, to construct a master plan, um, which in the first instance would look at South Africa and, um, and what exactly the issues were that could be addressed in South Africa and then, it has a little bit of a mandate to, um, not a little bit, a fair mandate to look at the, at the regional issues that can be addressed. And then we recognize the fact of the Africa continental free trade area as, as being a, a work in progress. 
and and we are open to work within the context of the AFCFDA as well. Um, and what and what we said was, what are the steps that we as as a collective can start trying to implement in the short term, medium term, and long term? And our biggest problem, quite frankly, was how do we measure success? And 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 so Derek, what we what we said was, let's measure success in terms of jobs created, because right, the, the the jobs that are being created. The opportunity, job opportunities that South African um, clothing alone provides outside of this country is between 100 and 150,000 jobs, which exist in all of all of the rest of the world. Um, no okay. country produces all its fabric, textile, clothing needs, but if we could onshore a number of those jobs, a good 30 to 60,000 of those jobs, back into um, South and, and or Southern Africa, and ultimately, as I said, look at some strategies for the continent of Africa. Um, that that would be really cool. And so we started with recognizing the role of retail as the demand driver, as the key interface between um, between manufacturer and the eventual consumer. Um, and and we as retail have, have have been so it's called the retail. CTFL master plan um, for a reason because there's a lot of CTFL that isn't retail based, but we've identified that we can collectively work with our value chain and government partners um, and start a few initiatives and hopefully snowball roll it out um, to an ultimate ambition. Our original ambition was was for 2030. COVID may have kind of just re- realigned some of those some of the time frames. Um, yeah. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do the, we'll do, we'll do the, the, the smart, uh, agile um, analysis of that when it's more appropriate. So, you know, we don't want to just push it back a year or two just for the sake of it. Um, we, we, our view is, um, um, let's, let's look at what the initiatives are. Let's focus on the initiatives and the programs and see where that takes us. So, so in a nutshell, is the master plan about creating jobs here in South Africa in the textile, clothing, leather, footwear industry? And also getting more South African-based uh, or SADC-based products into retail. Um, that, that's fundamentally what it is. We identified the jobs both in manufacturing and in retail as being by 2030 some 120,000 jobs. Um, we identified a significant uptake, uptick in the um, capacity of manufacturing local, local, and when I say local. You can read a, a, a regional agenda into that, but there's an unashamed national agenda focus on South African manufacture. We make no apology for that. Um, yeah, and then and then to ensure that there is appropriate uptake um, on the consumption, as I said, the demand side by the by your 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 South African the consumers who come into our retail stores, and obviously there is a there's a very specific role that that retailers themselves um, can play in making sure that it is it is always a commercially viable exercise. We're not going to do this like on a garden country, mother with an apple pie thing. It's, it's about can we keep it commercially viable so that there is sustainability for all of the parties. I like that when you, when you mentioned commercially viable because I saw one of the things in the report spoke about the Swishway economy. Do you want to unpack that a, a little bit? So, so Swishway was, is, is identified... I mean, it's, it's again, you know, when I, my opening remarks about the creativity of Africa, both on the creative and, and technical side, um, that's, that's the reality of Africa. Um, mm. and, and there's just, there are ongoing opportunities. Um, 
I mean, you could say Thrashway, you could say Marina. We are massive exporters of Marina of this country. Yes. We are massive exporters of great cotton. I mean, I, I, I serve on the cotton board and, and the amount of cotton that gets exported in a country which then imp- ultimately imports back in cotton products, um, garments and garments and other things. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, we have some of the highest quality cotton in the world. Um, there, are, there, are, there are just huge opportunities in terms of um, all of our rich resources. And I mean, we've always been aware of, we've always been aware of the fact that we're a resource-rich um, um, uh, country and continent. Um, and it, it, it is a matter of starting to identify how best to leverage that resource richness to something that consumers get more and more excited about. But we live in, a, in the real world of you know, your, your average consumer. Um, and I mean, it's, it's your big spenders in, in fashion are always um, aged under 40, um, often mm-hmm. aged under 30. <laughs> Um, mm. And you know, if, and they are on international social media platforms all the time. So we we need to we need to kind of manage and monitor what's happening on those platforms and how that is shaping demand and the demand drivers of that consumer of those consumer categories. And West Westway and all Merino and all you know, I mean, these beautiful leather products that get made somewhere else that we are <laughs> it's our leather sometimes. Um, it's you know it's just it's just the kind of thing where you 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 constantly have to do work with consumers and 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 in the consumer demand side that's really where the importance exists of working with the continent of Africa because what we want is to drive um, sustainable pockets of of demand or, or market segments that maintain sustain you know, kind of commercial sustainability. Whether it's a freshwater product or a merino product or a cotton product or a synthetic mix, I mean, um, synthetic mixes as you know, are very big in, in leisure where they say. So yeah, it's we will we are we we have opportunity to work on everything. We have opportunity for the folk who are who are who have primary interest in commercial interest in and expertise in any element of the value chain to try, try to start fitting into the space. Um, but it's a, it's it's not a homogenous kind of process. It's not it's not linear. It's a maze of trying to work out bits and mm. pieces of who is where, what's happening, what's happening internationally, how do the seasons change, um, how does demand change on a community to community basis, and 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 so you know the, the, so demand in, in India. I mean, I like mentioning them because it's the same size size population. But demand size in India, for uh, demand models rather in India are a lot more homogenous or are quite large and create, you know, um, not just a gap in the market, but an actual market in the gap. We often have yeah. gaps in the market, but there's no real market to, to, to work with there at the moment. So you, there are all kinds of strategies, as I say, that we're looking at. I'm working with proudly South Africans to Excellent. drive consumer interest in in, um, in product and that there is a kind of more nuanced um, in, interrogative, investigative approach by the consumer to the product. We don't want them to buy South African again just because it is, but we want them to look at what they're buying. You know, do they understand the product mix that they're buying? Do they understand the fabric? Do they understand where that might have come from? You know, are they aware of what country of origin, um, what the rules of origin may have applied? And they are, they are, they are kind of fairly... Um, layman's terms issues that can be brought to the narrative 
the ordinary community narrative to use when, when making purchasing decisions. So we, we, we have a, we have a, a complex job of work. So, well, this sounds very interesting. Um, so who's steering the plan then? So all of the national master plans are um, in, in, in government. Um, and, and, and I mean, one, you know, one understands exactly why that is better coordinator than, than a whole bunch of people. I mean, I always say within industry that uh, we, we have the saying that an injury to one is an opportunity for, so industries typically are very adversarial to each other. We, are, we have actually got quite a lot of um, competitive behavior, aggressively competitive behavior, which is wonderful for a consumer, but can be problematic when you're trying to coordinate um, a complex program like a master plan. And then there are Within, for example, the CTFL value chain, there are obviously competitive um, inter um, challenges, conflicts of interest between how much a manufacturer wants to price a product at and how much um, the retailer wants to buy the product for. Very true, yeah. It's, it's a huge matter of tension. And everyone, yeah. everyone tries to compete on, on lowering the input costs and leveraging the margins on, on the eventual sale of product. So, so it needed to be with government. So government has what's called a project management office, um, which sits in the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, as it is now, and coordinates with the clothing and textile desk. Um, and then there are some representatives from within the value chain, including myself, who, um, who kind of just monitor and try and keep things sticking over. And then there are a whole bunch of task teams. So there are some, there are some, SARS initiatives, we need to stop illegal imports coming into this country um, because that obviously undermines the, the competitiveness of locally manufactured product. Um, so we've got, meet, we've, got, we've got teams working with SARS. Um, we, we're looking at the viability of rebates on fabric because a lot of fabric, as you probably know, is not manufactured here anyway, but it's yes, been enormously difficult <laughs> It's enormously difficult to remove rebates, so to remove duties on fabric rather. So we currently have, um, under a specific set of conditions, a rebate on, on woven fabrics. Um, and it's, a, it's in a very specific uh, model of, of allowance. Um, mm -hmm. And we are in the discussion at the moment to develop a rebate on knitted fabrics and on yarns. Um, so yeah. it's, it's to make the input costs a bit cheaper, um, we've got a program to look at how to make more businesses bargaining council compliant because we would like to develop um, management and technical expertise and investment opportunities for those, for those manufacturers. And that means if they're going to apply to the likes of the IDC or any one of government other, government's other support programs, the requirement is we need the comfort and confidence that they have certain measures of compliance social order compliance, bargaining council compliance. So we've got a team looking at that um, and so on and so forth. You know, it, it, it's a whole bunch of things of teams looking at and it, it constitutes from labor representatives to, as is necessary, fabric manufacturers to um, raw material, um, you know, like the cotton people or, or, the, uh, uh, the, or the, you know, from natural fibers to, to the synthetics. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously different retail participants. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I kind of keep a watching brief on various things, but there are much smarter people in the retail space um, who, than I am who keep who, who participate in the more technical side. We've got a great conversation happening with the seekers at the moment around skills development. 
um, because we're gonna we're gonna really just try and ratchet up how we develop the, and address the current shortfall of skills. But we're going into but we're going into we live in a four-hour um, world, and we uh, technology is gonna overtake most of the current manufacturing models that exist anyway. Um, mm. So we need to be training people up to to be doing that. We need to be training up designers. And looking at how do we find the right designers, how do we encourage local designers, because they would have a greater interest in 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 local markets and local demands and local available uh, available raw materials or materials. Mm. Um, yeah, so there, there, so, it, so it's a, a whole lot of people working on this. So would this initiative then also help facilitate, for example, um, Dugama who manufacture shui shui and designers, and then. Uh, looking at rechanging the fabric base or going into the knitted versions of Sui Shui or those kind of things? Would, I mean, would the initiative yeah. help so, facilitate that? The short answer to that is yes, Derek. The question, the question to ask for us, the problem for us is always buy when and yeah. will it, you know, will, will, is, is there commercial viability that, that, that again, I mean, I'm going to come always back to commercial viability because that's what, that's what, um, ensure sustainability beyond the Derek's involvement, the Michael's involvement, or whoever else's involvement. You know, you've got to, if it stands and only exists, that's the best, best win we can have. So the deal is, the, the short answer to anyone in CTFO about can I benefit is yes. The question, the more difficult question is how and when, or to, to the more difficult set of questions is how and when. Obviously, what we've had to do in the beginning is, is go for the bigger wins, the, the bigger opportunities. And when I talk about illegal imports, you know, I mean, SARS has a massive capacity, which is now much better resourced and much better focused under the new SARS leadership. I mean, I'm sure you've read the Zonga Commission's old, old SARS leadership comments, but under the new SARS leadership, some, some, some really interesting and hardworking people uh, are, are trying to level best, a much better fighting chance. They're up against a real tsunami of, of Illegal, illegally imported products, but you know, you chip away, it will eat that elephant, the mixed metaphors will eat the elephant a bite at the time. Excellent. Um, there, there are other things that, that we can do on a, on a large scale basis, but let's, let's take the woven product rebate, for example. We've got the woven pro product rebate now, um, and the, the conditionality is you can get that rebate if the retailer is selling to a signed up to the master plan. So all the big retailers have signed up to, to the master plan. But there are a lot of smaller retailers that are sourcing from local that um, where there's a, a manufacturer, a local manufacturer who does not, who do, you know, where they, they, they haven't signed up. Now, signing up is literally as, as, as simple as it sounds in terms of process. You sign a piece of paper. Um, there, there are various conditionalities. You make, you make commitments to looking for sourcing opportunities. And why would you not look at the sourcing opportunity where the input costs of that um, of that product have just been dropped by twenty odd percent. There must be there must be a kind of an incentive to just go because I mean we all know the problems, the increasing problems of of of, of getting imported product in. Um, the cost of freighting has gone up three hundred percent over the last two years. I mean it's just it's, it's just insane. And, and, and the supply chain backlog due to COVID. Is insane. No, it's crazy. It, it's just, you know, and here's, here's a great opportunity. So, so when we're asking people to sign up and by signing up, they're committing to, to actively looking for local products. Well, they're probably doing that anyway. <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. to sign the piece of paper and, 
and go and look with the manufacturer. But then you've got a problem with the manufacturer because now to get the rebate, they've got to register with a rebate store or size. So you've got to be a fairly substantial manufacturer um, mm. um, in, order, in order to be able to leverage of that. Or you've got to be linking in with a design house of some shape, form, or size, which, which is, um, which is going to, you know, there's a little bit of integration. And obviously what we've got in, initially is some levels of, of bureaucracy and red tape because we want to be able to measure, monitor um, what, what is going on. We don't want people to, we don't want to create a new form of corruption and exploitation in, in, in the process. Um, so in an ideal world, maybe I would have preferred we just remove the the the, um, the the duty completely, and and we you know we kind of mm-hmm. everybody just buy whatever it is they want to buy. But um, you know the, the, we can't go straight to that ideal world. I, I accept there are all kinds of concerns about that, including on the side of the manufacturers. And we do have an ambition to develop fabric manufacture anyway. So we don't just want to be importing the stuff. What we'd like to have is a situation where you have a better understanding of the demand side, because a lot of imported products, as I say, is illegal. If we have a better understanding of the demand side, we can maybe justifiably look at getting investment, which is going to be anywhere between a half a billion and two billion rand sometimes for fabric manufacture. We can get that. We can look at getting that investment if, the again, the commercial viability can be... Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> So, so, so it all takes time. It, 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 you know, there, there's these great things and people say, yes, but I want to see, a, I want to see the jobs today and I want to see the product runs today and I want to see the imports come down today. And I'm like, no. So then, you said 2030. So, so then what are your milestones from here? So, so what we, our, our milestones, we, we sit, I mean, and, and I always have to be very cautious about this. There are a lot of people. Bless their soul, including government, because government works on a year-by-year evaluation program. You know, that's the nature of government. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they set targets for a year. They evaluate themselves after a year. And really in business, there are not too many businesses that get terribly stressed about a year. We plan, we plan five years. We, we have longer-term um, um, plans. The master plan goals are, are, not, are, are not cast in stone. They're ambitions. We have an ambition to change okay. the, local cons- the local consumption from being in the 30-odd percent local to being in the 60-odd percent local. That's an ambition. We have an ambition to have the extra 120,000 jobs. We're not going to you know, castigate ourselves if, if we can't get there, but we, we, we reckon we're gonna, we, if we put certain um, processes in place, there's a lot that can be done realistically to move towards achieving the ambitions that, that, that we have set. Obviously, Agreed. it depends on a whole, bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of weird and wonderful things. So the ambitions in the master plan, which you've read, are there. They, we have delivered, and then, and then one, the, there are times when we have to concede, okay, we're going to try and do this volume of that or this process by such and such a date. So we, we, you know, we, we don't leave it all to the wind to just deposit on us, but we... We, we, we don't, I certainly don't, not from my bench. I don't over-focus on trying to find um, targets that we, can, that we can lash ourselves with afterwards and, and go kicking and screaming about. I'm more interested in, we've identified this initiative together, the rebate initiative, let's look at it, let's, let's focus on how we make it work better. We know it will have impact, but its greatest impact I mean, if you just take any retailer, for example, 
has already planned their next 15 to 24 months of yeah. process activity. So, so if you tell them today they can have a rebate on, on X, they may be able to make some small adjustments to take advantage of that rebate in the next 12 months. But their biggest benefit from that rebate is, is actually post-24 months. So, and here I've got government, you've got Labour kind of champing at the bit saying, you want to see the jobs, you want to see the government, see the jobs, you've got government saying, yeah. but we must report and not look stupid, there's an election coming up, there's a portfolio <laughs> committee that we must report to, there's a, a presidency wants to know what's going on, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, you show the show the substantive activity and, and, and articulate why substantive activity will result in substantive moving of the needle of what our ambition were in the beginning. But it's I, I accept the tensions. It's 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 a, it's a reality. It's easier for retail to live with the tensions because we 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 have economic strength in the value chain anyway, so it's easier for me as a retail representative to not lose sleep about, about these things, whereas the, 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 on the ground for labor and jobs, it's a big issue, and we know about the employment challenges in our country. Um, for government that is busy investing in and committing to and surrendering income when they, when they give reverts, they need to show some substantive um, proof of outcome fit for purpose of, of programs and, and I accept that. And so we do our best to accommodate those narratives um, in, in, a, in a responsible and accountable manner with, with, without surrendering the more substantive concept of recognizing that we are working towards ambitions and we have collectively agreed to what the substantive elements are that can be changed. And, they, and we're working on that for now. We will increasingly get to points where we have differences on the nuances, we will increasingly get to points where the devil in the detail will, will become adversarial for us. There will be an interest that labor will have that they won't want to surrender to retail or to manufacturing. Um, mm. And we'll cope with those. But the things we've agreed on together must be moved unambiguously, unashamedly, uh, even even if we get sniped at by, by, by the naysayers, you know, from from time to time. And they always jump on a bandwagon and say, we don't like this, it's different than the other. I mean, I've had all kinds of issues. Some other, some other master plans have been really poorly managed, uh, poorly implemented. And I'm not willing to surrender the integrity of our process or the effectiveness of what it is we're trying to do based on the fact that we, are, we actually have substantively got the whole value chain, labor, business, and government um, pulling in, in, in a very singular direction at the moment. Michael, that's so exciting to hear. So if, you've, if we're a small designer with a small design studio, mm -hmm. how can they get involved? So it's, it's a case of, 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 of saying, so you're a, as a small designer, because it's a retail process, whoever you're supplying to as retail, um, the, the, that small designer, designers or manufacturer needs to go to the the retailer and say, look, I need, I need you to be in the game. I need you to be recognized. I need your name to be on that piece of paper. As I say, there are no, you know, it's not the kind of thing where you, um, you, you, you and, and, and certainly if, if it gets to the point where, where it's going to be a case of a gun is being out to people's heads, um, mm -hmm. you know, the large retailers themselves will, will walk away. Certainly my organization will not look to, to, to have that happen. 
Um, but but we we need retail to step up in terms of what its capacity and capabilities are, which is to understand demand side of the consumer better and to and to and to then become an interface um, in terms of what could be happening from from local content sourcing ambitions side. And then and then and then you say, okay, now what are the what are the opportunities? Okay, so initially now we've got this rebate opportunity. Let's go for it. The IDC has set aside a huge amount of money for skills development um, and for capital investment and for all kinds of things. I mean, we I can I can show you what that program is and there's a whole requirement there for um, for as I said what what how how that manufacturing business should look. What is bargaining council um, compliance and social order compliance? models need to need to look like and there are exemption programs for moving people so let's just say you are um for arguments like 60 percent on the way to a bargaining council full bargaining council compliance technically you should be shut down by the bargaining council but i mean one has to be pragmatic here so if we identify a shortcoming a level of shortcoming then it's a case of saying okay what is a program that is necessary to get you to the desired ambitions of those. And, and, and quite frankly, yeah, Derek, I'm quite unashamedly saying to the bargaining council that if the vast majority of entities, manufacturing entities, and I don't represent them, I represent them, but if the vast majority of manufacturing entities are finding difficulty with a bargaining council requirement, then we need a robust conversation to take place about yeah. whether that should in fact be the case, whether that should be an ambition, or, or a substantive conditionality of, of, of compliance. And, and I, you know, this is one of these wonderful areas of, of, of as I said, robust, robust engagement that we allow ourselves to, to engage in now because we, we, we know we're all pulling together for something. And as I said earlier, there are going to be times when we're going to have to look each other in the eye and say, no, 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 I need to sort this out for you or I'm, I have this disagreement with you and we, we, need to, we need to come to a different plan. Um, yeah, and I'm sure we're going to get more and more of those, but those, the devil in the detail there is only where the rubber hits the road. Oh, I'm mixing my metaphors again. Um, <laughs> but you, you've got to, you've got, you, you, you know, there's no point in hypothesizing about, you know, if I do this, then that will be the problem. And when I do that, I'm going to face this obstacle. What I, what we need is people who are saying, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm moving. And now this this rock is in my road, and and, and, yeah. and I need the master plan team to address this. And if we can't, and if it's a rock that is that exists for many for many players, then it must be there because now we've identified it. But but mm. hypothesizing one thing, then retail must concede something on an hypothesis basis, which means you've got a trade of something on an hypothesis basis. And before we know it, we we have um, we have a uh, oh you know, kind of under volume 600 pages <laughs> on hypotheses. And we've, and what's our point here? We, our point is to actually manufacture and great jobs. So, uh, you, you know, know what, uh, you're in this yeah, Michael, I really like what you said there about robust, robust conversations. And I think that's the thing that we need to do is if you've got a small um, manufacturer who's just hitting roadblocks, we need to re yeah. we need to reassess a few things as opposed to keeping, things in there that make them not able to achieve what they can and employ the number of people that they can. Yeah. Because at the and end of the day... The deal, Derek, eh? 
We need this manufacturing capacity. You know, there's yes. no point in having an, uh, in having an ambition to make to purchase more if there's nobody to purchase from. Exactly. Um, you know, your, your existing guys can only get so big. Uh, and then there are competitive issues where one retailer is going to say, no, I want that manufacturer just to myself. And another retailer, you know, whether it is, whether that vertical integration is on an ownership model or on a contractual model or on just a hand, quiet handshake model, it, it, you know, the, eventually we're going to run, there's so many retailers and, and retail can be very powerful that in a funny kind of way, we, 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 they will use up all the good guys very quickly. And then you've got the new guys coming in, you know, the new, you want new, new, new retailers coming in, who are they going to buy from? And if we don't have the manufacturers available to supply to them, then they're going to go to offshore product and we're going to, you know, we're going to eat our vicious cycle rather than finding space in our virtuous cycle, virtuous cycle again. So I want a space where it is smart and easy for someone to start a manufacturing process. And I tell you, Derek, I, um, I, you don't know this about me probably, but um, I spent 10 years of my life, my first professional 10 years, were as a high school mathematics teacher. I okay. loved the day when a high school kid says, I want to become, a, I want to go and work in the CTFL space one day. Yeah. I've never yet, I've never in recent times met a kid who tells me they want, I, they, some of them do, they, they've got this um, uh, fashion design uh, thing in the trick now. So they, they have a little bit of ambition. But I, I'm a, you know, I want, I want someone who's great at mathematics or great at, um, at, at accounting or, or has serious, um, serious academic skills to say, this is a place I cannot just see myself having fun, but I can actually see myself making a lot of money. And then, exactly. then we've got to So it's got yeah. to be the kind of place where you can get into business. Barriers to entry must be removed. Yes, please do. Uh, Michael, this is so exciting, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Any last parting thoughts? Look, um, Derek, I, I, I like, I, I've said it before in the chat, and I, I will say it constantly. You, 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 we, we, it's very easy to just want some kind of quick wins, but we're on a long road with, with, some, very, with some very complex players to work with. But what we have is a substantive commercial opportunity, what we have is a substantial job creation opportunity. What we have is an opportunity that has the, that has the ability to be positioned geographically almost anywhere. It's, it's an opportunity which, which has benefits for what we call in trade, in trade terminology, the distribution services. So it, it, it strengthens the movement of goods and the need to have the capacity for movement of goods, not just not just nationally, but regionally and continentally. So it will develop, um, it will develop, for example, rail services, road services, air services. Mm. And, those have, and those have other benefits in terms of the lifestyle of communities across the, uh, across the nation, uh, region and continent um, that we, we mustn't ever forget. We, we, we are not just a kind of, you know, Mining in its funny kind of way um, has, is, is geographically very limited because you can only find gold in certain places. It, mm. Its benefit is most substantively in respect of it makes a lot of money and then people have to go and spend that money, but it doesn't substantively on its, in its own systems build industries. 
And the beneficiation process, I mean, if I stick with mining, for example, making jewelry is, is fun and interesting. But it really, it, it's really not for a huge market. I mean, your, your bigger jewelry market substantively is actually in the non-precious metals. Um, mm. If you look at size of market, value of market, obviously, is in, the, is in precious metals, precious stones. So, so what we have in, our, in the CTFL business is, is a space where anyone can come in um, and find an opportunity to develop themselves. We, uh, academia is good for us, but it is not critical. Um, 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 skill sets can be learned and taught. I mean, we've had, we, we've had apprenticeship systems and people literally learning trade at the feet of their parents or, or, or as part of a community. It's a community development opportunity. Yes. No, man, we, we, we mustn't underestimate what impact all of all of this can can have and and if we if we're willing to see it as a really 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 big picture nation changing continent changing game then um yeah and 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 yet it requires some very simple fundamentals of just having the ordinary purchaser of a, a garment product just picking a garment up and looking at the label and and, and, and making some, some purchasing decisions just based on that label. Um, is, there's just so much that we can do between the person who buys and, and those who have been part of the planning and or development of raw materials for this. So it's an exciting space. Um, it's a space I know that I can go into at, 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 and have fun with. Um, and it's there for anyone else who wants to participate and bring value to it and get value from it to participate as well. And I, I just think that's important. Michael, thank you for your time. We here at the Apparel Report totally agree with what you're saying, and we believe any initiative that helps create jobs and stimulate the apparel industry in South Africa is where government and everyone else should be backing. So thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck with all, all of what needs to happen next, and thank you for the excitement you're going to create in, in this process as well. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode. To stay up to date with all things Apparel Report, please subscribe to this channel. You can follow our day-to-day -day happenings on Facebook and Instagram at The Apparel Report. We'd like to keep the conversation going, so please comment or leave a suggestion below. The Apparel Report is self-funded and managed by myself. If you'd like to get involved, feel free to reach out. Join me next week for more insights, stories, and to meet new makers.